hopefully. Let's get started. First uh, Kings chapter 3, we'll start reading verse 5. Um, kind of catches up here. Um, Solomon, all right, everyone knows kind of King Solomon. If you have any church background whatsoever, you know of King Solomon. He was about the age of 20 when he took the throne. Now, his rise to the throne was a little interesting, all right? So David, King David, is, is getting older. He's, he's, he's dying. He's getting old. So um, and one of his sons, Adonijah, just gets this broad idea. He's like, I'm going to claim the throne for myself. Um, David had already said that Solomon was going to take the throne when he's, he's dead. But um, Adonijah's like, you know what? I'm going to claim it for myself. I'm going to throw a party. It's going to be awesome. So Adonijah kind of claims it. He's throwing this little dinner party. He doesn't invite certain people. He's smart about it. He doesn't invite the prophet Nathan. All right, because if Nathan finds out that he's doing this, um, then Nathan's going to shut him down. Well, the prophet Nathan finds out about it. And it's funny. Nathan does what Nathan is a prophet, okay? Get with me. Nathan, he's the, he's the guy who called David out over and over again over his sin. He's the guy who's been with David from the beginning. And instead of going directly to David, uh, Nathan goes to Bathsheba, David's wife, which is really funny because I guess the prophet knows if you want to get something done for the husband, you go to the wife to get it done. Um, But anyways, um, so Nathan goes to Bathsheba, and Bathsheba goes to David. They get it all worked out. King Solomon is anointed king. Trumpets are playing. Adonijah kind of gets scared. And this is kind of what we pick up into our text today with King Solomon. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 5. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask, and I shall give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and in uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept for him at this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. Verse 7, And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for a multitude. Verse 9, Give your servant therefore an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern, discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this, and God said to him, Because you have asked this, and have not asked for yourself long life, or riches, or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days." Verse 14, and if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this time we have just to um, open up your word. God, we thank you for this time that we have just to um, come together and sing and to worship and to celebrate um, what you have done for us. God, I ask that you use this time to um, just restore our souls, to revive our hearts. God, I ask that you just um, uh, reveal any sin that remains in our lives and then lead us to the cross. God, let us see Jesus today. Let us see him lifted high because when we see Jesus, all things are made new and all things are, are transformed. And so, God, we ask that today. God, remind us this morning that um, we're doing this um, for your glory and our good. So remind us of that today. We're trusting you. Use this time. It's in Jesus' name I pray. 
Amen. Uh, so King Solomon's known for a lot of things. Uh, one in particular is his wisdom. Uh, he was the wisest man to ever live. Um, being a young guy myself, um, you naturally, well, I'm a young guy, I'm a young married guy, and then I'm a young married dad. And so that combination, you stick your foot in your mouth a lot. Uh, when Molly Kate was, when my wife was pregnant with Molly Kate, our first child, she was pro- nearing the end, I think eight months, and we're driving in the car, and um, we're just driving, and any woman who's been pregnant knows you get to that certain point, they're just tired of being pregnant. You know, you're just tired of it. You, uh, you've carried this child for eight months now, and you're just ready for the child to be here. My wife was there. She was just tired of being big and everything. So we're in the car, and she's complaining. She's, she's just saying, I'm just, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of being big. I'm a well. I look like a well, Corey. And being the great husband that I was listening and being very attentive to her words, I looked at her and said, babe, I love wells. And, uh, <laughs> uh, Needless to say, uh, that, that, that wasn't the best response to, the, uh, to that statement. And so, one, uh, if you are a young guy here, don't ever tell your wife if she says she lo- looks like a whale. Don't ever say that you love whales, all right? The better response would be, oh, babe, you look great, all right? No, uh, you're not a whale. You're like a little chihuahua. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> definitely do not go with I love whales. That definitely wasn't the wisest thing. And, so I bet you many of us have stories like that, just not being wise. And, and, and wisdom is what we are called to pursue. Over and over in the Bible, we are called to pursue wisdom. Over and over again. Proverbs 3.13 says, Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gets understanding. Uh, Proverbs 24.13-14 says, My son, eat honey, for it is good. And the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. Know that wisdom is such to your soul. If you find it, there will be a future and your hope will be not cut off. Um, that God has commanded us to pursue wisdom. And that wisdom is needed. All right? I don't think anybody in this room would say, you know what? You keep the wisdom. I want to take just ignorance. All right? No one's going to say that. If there was wisdom out here for anybody, everyone's going to gladly take it. And we need wisdom um, for whenever we're making choices in life. Um, that all throughout your day and your life, that wisdom is greatly needed. Um, all throughout your uh, personal life, wisdom is greatly needed. We need wisdom for determining what words to say and when to say them. And definitely not use I love wells um, in that. That wisdom is a calling. It is something of great need. And it's something that when we are coming to a fork in the road, that wisdom is what helps us kind of discern that. And in the Bible, I believe that wisdom is a couple things, but here's what the Bible describes it as in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. That the fear of the Lord is wisdom. So what is wisdom? It is fearing and knowing God. That wisdom that leads to life and ultimate joy begins with knowing and fearing God. That was the, that's the wisdom as Christians, as Jesus followers, we're called to pursue. We are called to pursue this wisdom of knowing and fearing Jesus, knowing and fearing God. And that is what helps us in our day to day. So when we're coming to that fork in the road, um, it doesn't really seem like there's a correlation there, but we are, we are pursuing him daily and, and are saturating our souls in the word of God. When we come to that business decision, well, wait, should I do this or should I do that? Um, I believe that you will have the wisdom to know which, which decision to go with. When you're making a choice of relationships with who to date, who to marry, where to move to, where, um, where to send your sc- uh, kids to school, um, I believe that as we are pursuing Jesus, um, and those, and those choices aren't going to be easier. I don't think that's the case either. Um, but I believe that God has promised us in his word 
as we're pursuing him, wisdom to help us make those choices. So wisdom is a great need. So what I want to do real fast is I want to, I want to look at three observations from this text, just three things that jumped out of me, and I want to jump into some uh, just practical takeaways from uh, kind of King Solomon's life, and then we'll close up our time together. The first thing is this. Um, Solomon knew God because of his father David. Verse 6 says, Because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and in uprightness of heart towards you. Um, The first thing that jumped out of me was that man that Solomon knew God because of his father David. So the first thing is as parents in the room that you have a very unique and powerful opportunity to show your kids Jesus. And that you have an incredible Mandated call in Scripture to teach your children about God. Um, that, that as you go about life, as you're going about through certain things, um, to teach your children about Jesus. Uh, I think that is such a powerful, that family devotions, family discipleship is a big deal. It was for Solomon. And, that, and parents also be encouraged that David wasn't the most perfect guy. All right, We looked at that the past couple of weeks. That be encouraged, you don't have to be perfect. But David's life was continually marked by a life of pursuing Jesus, inquiring before God, that he took his soul and his heart to Jesus, saying, I am sorry, I confess my sin, wash me. And you read all throughout the Psalms that he's, he's kind of going back and forth, that David has these real highs and then these real lows, and it's up and down, but constantly pursuing Jesus in repentance and faith. And so as, as parents, that we are called to that same thing, that as we are pursuing Jesus, as we are loving Jesus, that we bring our kids, kids along with us. We try to do this with Molly Kate. She, she's two, and so she doesn't get it all right. Um, we like to ask her. She loves the stars and moon. She loves it, loves them to death. And so whenever we, um, whenever we get out of the car at night, she sees it. She's like, moon, moon, and points. And, and so I always try to ask her, Molly Kate, who made the moon? Who put the stars in the sky? And something very small. So most of the time, she doesn't get it, all right? Most of the time, it's Winnie the Pooh put it up there. Uh, Barney sometimes puts the stars in the sky, which is not right at all. It's very heretical. Don't do that. I hit her with a Bible. Um, uh, but the other day, she got it right for the first time, and I nearly, like, punched a wall. Like, I was so excited. I was like, Molly Kate, who put the stars in the sky? And she goes, God? I'm like, ah, <laughs> victory! Um, just something small like that, I want her to know that when she sees the moon, that she knows who put them up there. Um, and very much as parents, it's, not, it's nothing, anything technical. You don't have to sit down with your kids and have this 30-minute uh, sermon prepared where you have a response and sing, you play the guitar and sing some, sing some songs, write some poems, light some candles, sacrifice a goat. You don't have to do that, all right? It's not technical. Very easy. As you go about life, as you sit around the dinner table, as you're in your car, ask your kids, talk to them about Jesus. And that, that ultimately, the best thing you can do for your kids is pursue Jesus yourself. That as you are pursuing and walking in uprightness of heart, being faithful and being steadfast into the love of Jesus, your kids are watching. So give them Jesus, pursue them. That ultimately, the best thing you can do this week is not make another cell at work, not get the dishes cleaned in the sink. That the best thing you can do this week for your kids is spend some time with Jesus yourselves. And so first thing that Solomon knew God because of his father David. That family devotions matter. Family devotions are a big deal. That if our priorities and money, here's the thing, if our priorities and money point to somewhere else besides Jesus, we've missed it greatly, not only as Jesus' followers, but as, as parents. That is one thing for us to come on church on Sundays. I think it's very, it's very easy just to bring our kids to church 
All right, bring our kids to church on Sunday mornings, and then throughout the week, just forget it. All right, it's a Sunday thing. Monday through Saturday, it's your own life. Um, that's easy to do, but it's very harder to say, hey, throughout the week, we're going to pursue Jesus together as well. And so we need to constantly point our priorities, point our money, point our time back to the things of Jesus, one, as Jesus' followers, but also as parents. So Solomon knew God because of his father David. The second thing is this, the selflessness of Solomon's request. Verse 9 says, Give your servant therefore an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern your great people? Um, This kind of stuck out to me because, um, man, a number of things. If I had to choose anything that God was like, hey, claim it, it is yours. What is it that you want? I do not think that my choice would benefit other people. And that greatly convicted me. That, man, if God came to me, he's like, Corey, whatever you want, it is yours. Man, I, I think in that moment, I do not, I, I highly doubt that other people, I don't think I'm going to make a choice for the good of other people, for the greater people. And then I was reading this, that Holy Spirit kind of convicted me even more. It was like, how many people would have come to know Jesus if I would have, you know, asked that? And I don't think I would have. And that was convicting to me. And I had this little time of God, and I was kind of mad a little bit. And I was like, but I need... I need this, I need this, I need that, I need more, we need more money, we need this, we need this on the car, we need this, this, this needs to be fixed. But ultimately, man, how many people would come to know Jesus if God would answer every prayer? And for me, I don't know how many people that would be. Um, and also, the greatest need for me and you is not more money, it's not more things, it's not a bigger house, a bigger boat, a cleaner house, it's not, it's not have your kids in every single um, sports league they possibly can, it's, it's not... Ultimately, our greatest need is to be ransomed by Jesus and to have our affections stirred for him. That our greatest need is to love and pursue the one who gave everything for us. And that's our greatest need. And that's what everyone's greatest need, too. And I hope that, our, that Solomon's selflessness will convict all of our hearts, too. That as we're going about our weeks th- throughout, throughout our lives, when we're at work, when we're at school, when we're um, whatever this summer brings that we're thinking of other people, and that God convicts our hearts to think of a missional mindset, that, that your neighbor, your coworker needs Jesus, that they need their heart to be um, convicted and turned to Jesus, to have their affections stirred for Jesus. And that is the greatest need of all, that Solomon was completely selfless in his request. That he was humble, too. Most kings before him would have claimed power and honor and riches and, and money and, and uh, women and, and land and horses and all these certain things. And Solomon asked for wisdom and understanding to rule God's people. May we also be the people that are asking God to benefit other people, too. And not just asking for things, but asking God to move greatly in us and through us and through our community. The third thing is this, that God's grace and faithfulness to bless Solomon's life. Verse 13 says, I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. Um, don't, and one, this, don't read this as, um, okay, all right, if I just get my life together, if I can just ask for wisdom, then God's going to give me that promotion at work, all right? That's how it works. If I can just read my Bible seven days a week this week, then that one coworker will get fired, and then I'll get in their position. That's what's going to happen, because that's how, that's how it works. Um, don't read prosperity into this, because ultimately what our hearts need, like I said, what our hearts need is Jesus. That's our greatest need. And I promise you, if we are pursuing him throughout the week, if you, if you um, turn your mind from just reading your Bible to, to check off on the list, um, 
and you start reading your Bible as to know Jesus and to get wisdom, um, then I promise you will get what you need and you will get what you want and that your heart wants Jesus. And that yes, the, the money may come, the money may not come. The stableness and security may come, but it may not come. But I can promise you this, that you will have Jesus, and you will have knowledge of him, you'll have your heart's uh, affection stirred by him, and joy comes from that, that happy is the man who gets wisdom and understanding. That you will get that. That is, it is so clear in Scripture that the person, that the, the man or woman who pursues Jesus humbly and outrightly throughout the week, throughout your life, will be joyful because Jesus is joy. That God's glory and your joy is the same pursuit, and that is found and that meets in Jesus. So pursue him this week. That God's grace is faithfulness, that not only in Solomon's crest, that, that he didn't ask for all those riches, he didn't ask for all that, he just asked to help other people, to give him a, a discerning mind so that he can rule well. And then God comes in and does immeasurably more to Solomon's life. And I think, I think this makes me think, too, that God is not after perfect servants. He doesn't need you to get your life straightened up. He doesn't need you to get um, everything, all your, uh, was it, uh, ducks in a line, what is it? Uh, ducks in a row, that's it. I'm working, it's, it's rough. You gotta, I'm a young dad. That's always the excuse, whatever it is. Oh, sorry, I forgot to email you. I'm a young dad. Uh, <laughs> that has nothing to do with your fatherhood. Eh, it's, I'm a young dad. Um, yeah, so you don't have to get everything together. And then, once you get everything together, then you can be used by God. But God's not after perfect servants. He's after available, obedient ones. That oftentimes we are too busy throughout the week to see God move in our life. And ultimately, just being obedient is what God's asking us to do. That God's not asking you to go out to your school, go out to your workplace, and save every single person there. He's asking for one. He's asking for you to be a fisherman. That you just think I, I think that I hear pastors all the time cast that it's a... It's, about, uh, it's just about casting your, casting your line out there. It's not about catching the fish, that God catches the fish. But it's just about throwing your line out there. That God's not asking you to do all these incredible things. I think as Americans, too, we confuse great and spectacular, or great and big. That we think if we're going to be great Jesus followers, if we're going to be great people of God, then we have to do these big and spectacular and wondrous things. But ultimately, the greatest thing that you can possibly do is be who God's called you to be. And that's a Jesus follower on mission for him. And so whether that is one person or a hundred people, whether that's uh, five people or five hundred people, know that it is great. A great Jesus follower loves Jesus and obeys. He listens to the Father's voice and obeys him. That is what greatness is. And that God is ready to bless. That God is ready to work um, as we are pursuing him as we are loving him, as we are loving people around us, that God is ready to work, that God is um, ready to do immeasurably more than we can ever understand. I'm going to read this story real quick. If you're still in 1 Kings chapter 3, there's this really cool um, example of Solomon's wisdom. And I thought it was kind of fair knowledge, but it's not. Not a lot of people have read this story. And hopefully, if you're reading in the story, you kind of came across this. But um, in verse 16, we read um, King Solomon in this, uh, in kind of this, wisdom kind of played out in real life. I'm just going to read it for us real fast, and, um, and we'll talk some about just practical takeaways over King Solomon's life. Verse 16, Then two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. The one woman said, O oh, my Lord, this woman and I have lived in the same house, and I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. Then on the third day after I gave birth, this woman also gave birth, and we were alone. And there was no one else with us in the house. Only we two were in the house. Verse 19, And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. 
And she rose at, not, at midnight and took my son from beside me while your servant slept and laid him at her breast and laid her dead son at my breast. When I rose in the morning to nurse my child, behold, that he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning, behold, he was not my child that I had born. Verse 22, but the other woman said, no, the living child is mine and the dead child is yours. The first child, no, the dead child is, is yours and the living child is mine. Thus they spoke before the king. Verse 23, then the king said, the one says this is my son, this is alive, and your son is dead. And the other says, no, but your son is dead and my son is the living one. And the king said, bring me a sword. So a sword was brought before the king, and the king said, divide the living child in two, and give half to one and half to the other. Then the woman whose son was alive said to the king, because her heart yearned for her son, O my lord, give her the living child, and by no means put him to death. But the other said, he shall be neither mine nor yours, divide him. Then the king answered and said, Give the living child to the first woman, and by no means put him to death. She is his mother. And all Israel had heard the judgment of the king and had rendered, and they had stood in awe of the king, because they perceived the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. This was a really cool story. All right, so two women are coming to the king, um, putting themselves under the authority and the rule of the king, saying, Hey, it's he sh- she says she said this, all right, that is my child, my child's the living one, her child is dead, no, it's her child that's dead, my child is the living one, and then Psalm's like, give me a sword, all right, bring me a sword, we're going to cut the kid in half, and that's going to solve the problem, and then, like, I think it's still funny that the other woman was like, okay, yeah, divide the child, that's fine, yeah, just do it, because that's a motherly thing, all right, like, the girl has motherly instincts that, yeah, divide the child's fine, then the other woman is like, no, keep, let the child live, give her to the other woman, um, and that, and clearly, <laughs> I would hope that most mothers here would do that same thing. Um, keep their child alive and give, give them up. And I think it's a really cool story here. And I want to just give some practical takeaways from this and all of Solomon's life uh, from this story, from other things uh, in the Bible as well. Now, the first thing is this. Give your life to the wisdom and authority of God. That just as these two women came and put themselves under the authority of the king, that, hey, that he's going to be the one that rules and discerns, and his wisdom is going to be what we're going to go with, each of us are giving ourselves to the authority of some kind of wisdom. That there is something that you are push, putting your life under, saying, this is what's going to rule my life, and I want to gather my wisdom from this thing. It may be your career. That your career might be the one thing that is of utmost importance to you, that that is your drive, that is your being, that is your pursuit. That is where your awe and glory is coming from. And very well, because of that pursuit, you are gathering your wisdom from that pursuit. That your career is your king. That, at, and that all your decisions, all your choices are, are stemming from that choice of pursuing a career. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's dating or finding that right guy or that right girl. That every decision you make is based on that one person or that one thing, idea of a person that you desire. That ultimately your uttermost heart's desire is, is this one thing, is a dating relationship or, or the right person. And so all of your wisdom is coming from the, that, that dating is your king. Uh, maybe marriage is your king. Maybe motherhood or parenthood is your king. But there's a limitless um, amounts of these kings that we put, submit ourselves under daily, weekly. So what is it that you are submitting yourself under? What is it that you are trying to gain that, that this is what my life's all about? This is what I'm trying to pursue. And then what wisdom are you getting from that? And ultimately, how is that helping? How are you feeling after that? How are you feeling when it doesn't work out? 
that ultimately we are called to give our lives to the wisdom and authority of God. That Jesus is the only king that will satisfy. He is the only king that we can submit ourselves under. He is the only one that we can pursue. He is the only one that will bring joy. He is the only king that will not be taken away from us. I promise you, your career will be taken away. That relationship will be taken away. Motherhood and parenthood can be taken away. Jesus is the only king that cannot be taken away. Pursue him above all else. Give your life to the wisdom and authority of God. Second thing is this, pursue wisdom daily. King Solomon is known for a lot of things, one being wisdom and two because he fell short. Um, Solomon started off really strong. He, um, he pursued uh, God, he knew God, um, he, uh, he knew what his father David had done, he walked in a brightness of heart. But then what you see in 1 Kings 11, later on in the chapter, that Solomon kind of drifted from that. He strayed away from that. That he, um, that he started loving, he started marrying all these wives, and those wives, it says, turned his heart away from God and turned them to these other gods. And ultimately, it's this very sad thing that Solomon did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. So he starts off at this age, this, this 20, this young guy being selfless and humble and, and asking God to give him wisdom to govern the people. And then he ends up in 1 Kings 11 being the king who does what's evil in the sight of the Lord and ushers Israel into this divided kingdom. That after this, Israel gets divided into a northern kingdom and southern kingdom and they're split from then on out. And then that's when all the exiles come in. That's when all the Babylonians come in and take them out and the Syrians and all that stuff starts happening. And it's, uh, it's convicting, and that's another takeaway, too. It's just kind of out of order here. So it's there, that how you finish is just how, is as important as how you start. How you finish is just, how, is, is just as important as how you start. And how we do that is we pursue Jesus and wisdom daily. That we pursue him daily. It's not just a once-a-week thing. It's not just a one-time-and-done thing, all right? It's not Kentucky basketball one-and-done, all right? That's a jab to Kentucky basketball. For those that didn't get it, it's fine. Um, it's not just a one-time deal. That it is a, a daily pursuit. That wisdom is a lifelong pursuit of growth. Of putting our, our minds, putting our hearts, putting our affections under the authority of God. Under the, the authority of Jesus and pursuing Him daily. It's not just a Sunday thing. It's not just Sunday mornings coming here and getting what the pastor says, what the preacher says, and then going home and saying, that was good, alright. And then Monday through Saturday, nothing. That we are called to pursue wisdom daily. And then, and I want to say this little disclaimer here, because when reading the Bible comes up, a lot of people, we start beating ourselves up about it very easily. Um, because, man, I didn't read my Bible this week. Man, I, didn't, I missed all readings. And that should be some, yes, we, God wants us to desire His Word. Um, but if we're pursuing the Bible for just the sake of pursuing the Bible, we've missed it. That God just doesn't want to read us the Bible because He says, hey, read my Word. Read, abide in me. It's not just, that's not the point. That God has sovereignly ordained certain practices for us to know him. And the greatest one is by his word. By the word of God for us to know him, for us to love him, for us to grow in him. And so we read the Bible not because for the sake of reading the Bible or reading some literature. But we read the Bible so that we can know and love God. It's, 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 not, the, it's, not, the, um, it's not the end goal. It's a means to an end. So like this, if I wanted to go to Asheville, all right, there's a lot of ways I can go to Asheville. I'm not going to stop on Interstate 26 and be like, all right, we made it. This is it. Like, let's party on the interstate. This is where it's all about. Um, no one does that. Hobos do that. Um, sorry, that's a joke. Um, <laughs> uh, but Asheville is the end goal. 
And just as reading the Bible, the end goal is not just reading the Bible and getting all this knowledge, getting all this, this wisdom. The end goal is having a passionate, devoted life to Jesus. And we do that by reading God's Word. We do that by praying. We do that by fasting. We do that by uh, reading the Bible together in community. And that we are called to pursue wisdom. And pursue wisdom um, not by yourself. Take others with you. Man, join a study group. Join a life group. Join, uh, man, join a group of people that are studying God's Word together. And, and, and pursue it with everything you have. Um, that we are not meant to live this life of Christianity by ourselves. Um... The last thing here, that Solomon is not the one, Jesus is. That this, Solomon was a big, was a big point here um, in Israel's time, that they looked to Solomon as the Messiah, that he was the one. He was the king who, who ushered in the golden age of Israel. He had all the riches, he had all the fame, he had all the wisdom, that this was the time to be in Israel. It was the greatest time of growth, the great, the great, there was no, it was peace, that this was the life to be lived. But sadly, just as many kings that we place ourselves under, Solomon fell short. That he gave his life, he gave his heart to, to other women, to other things, and that, that sent him on a path away from God. And ultimately, he did what was evil in the sight of God. But ultimately, who we look to for wisdom, who we look to for meaning, is, as I've said over and over again, it's Jesus. That Jesus is the one that we submit ourselves to. He is the one that we look to. He is the one who came and had nothing. That as Solomon came in riches and power, Jesus came in, in poorness with nothing. That even the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay his head. That he came in, in, in poorness and in nothing. And as Solomon kind of ruled the world as, as a king on a throne, Jesus came and, and, and was born in a manger, in a stable. He lived a life of, of a, being a carpenter. Um, he hung out with fishermen. Uh, not wise men, not other princes or kings, not princesses or, or anything like that, that Jesus hung out with um, the lowly of the lows, the outsiders, the exiles. And just as Solomon finished um, rough and did what was evil in the sight of God, Jesus came and did what was perfect in the sight of God and was obedient to the Father's will and came for me and you and came and, and, and sought me and you and saved us. They took the punishment of, of the cross, of God's wrath for me and you, so that we can have wisdom, so we can know God, so that we can pursue Jesus rightly. That Jesus is the one that we pursue. If you forget anything else from this morning, know this, that we are called to love Jesus. So pursue him, love him. That you be creative in your pursuit of him. Use social media, use, use post-it notes, whatever you can use to write down scripture, write down certain things that keep the Bible on your mind. Pursue those things, use that. That when me and my wife, when we started dating, it was like I didn't set up a time on like Monday mornings for 15 minutes that we could talk and then that was it. Like, like that would have ended bad. If I was like, hey, all right, all right, Emily, Monday morning, 7.15, I'm gonna wake up, I'm gonna be a little groggy so you have to give me a little bit. I'm gonna spend 15 minutes with you I'll probably do most of the talking. You sit there, and then I'll call you next Monday morning. Does that sound good? All right, love you, babe. Peace. Um, no, that's not what we did. All right, if anybody knows, all right, that's not, and if that's what you've been trying to do with a relationship, uh, all right, how's that working out? Um, no, when me and Emily started dating, it was like every means possible I was trying to communicate with her. Like literally texting, uh, phone calls, text messages, fax machines, uh, smoke signals, whatever I could do, it was, hey, babe, I sent a, a carrier pigeon to her, babe, I love you. Um, whatever I could do possible, I used to communicate to her. And likewise, we can do that with Jesus and God's word. So read it, study it. Um, use Twitter, use Facebook to follow 
um, certain Bible verses, Bible passages that are, are putting Scripture on your mind. There's certain apps that you can use for memorizing Scripture. There are, um, write a post-it note of God's Word, that this, this verse that you can't get out of your head, write that down, put it in your car. Um, take a screenshot. I, I say this to our students all the time because they're kind of really heavily in the whole, like social media and their phones, that the average American looks at their phone 150 times a day. So that you're, like, you're taking your phone out and looking, at, or if you got the watch on, I guess the Apple Watch, you're looking at your watch now, but 150 times a day. So I tell our students, hey, take a screenshot of that verse you read this morning. And so that when you are looking at your phone for the time, you will catch a glimpse of God's word. So hopefully out of those 150 times you're looking at your phone, that hopefully you're catching a glimpse of God's word and putting that back on your mind for that day. Use whatever you can possibly to pursue Jesus together. I hope that makes sense. I hope that challenges. I hope that, that, that brings life to you. And I hope that this doesn't um, kind of bog us down, but I hope that this encourages you. That ultimately you don't have to get your life right. Pursue the one who did it for you. That you don't have to make all the right decisions, but pursue the wisdom of Jesus who can, who can um, carry us, who can, who's guiding us, who's working for us.